Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! I don't know. Do we have? We should maybe banter a little bit. I don't know. It's the holiday season. I am very excited to decorate for Christmas this year. I did a Halloween spread for Halloween pretty much October 1st. I was like putting stuff up and then I have um, a little bit of a fall spread right now for Thanksgiving. My roommates really love Thanksgiving. They just love to eat. They're big eaters. So they love Thanksgiving. Plus, one of my roommates is born on November 28th. And so Thanksgiving is kind of correlated with his birthday. So he usually ties them in together. Like when they celebrate mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, then they'll celebrate his birthday. So he's a big yeah. Thanksgiving fan as well for that reason. Yeah, thanks- but- Thanksgiving is fine. <laughs> I agree. It's fine. It's very fine. I'm... I like to see my family, but um, that's about it. That's about it. But we get a, a good old-fashioned ABC sitcom Christmas yes. episode now, baby. What, when it, it's November 15th, and we're talking about this episode. So a little, we're a little early. This episode will come yeah. out, though. Close this episode's going to come out, I mean, November 24th. If you're listening to this when it drops, then it's the week of Thanksgiving, which is maybe a little weird. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for anyone in the United States, it's a little weird. Anywhere else, it feels normal. So just roll with it. Yeah. If you're listening in the United States and you're like, oh, but Thanksgiving's in two days, just remember that the rest of the Christmas celebrating population doesn't give a shit. (laughs) So today is season (laughs) four, episode 12, Easy Streets. Easy street, street smarts. Ta-ta. Yeah, that's exactly yes. Listen, that's Sean cool. says street smarts in this episode, and Sarah and I were watching together, and we both immediately went street smarts. You got to take your money clip, and you're gonna throw it. Mom, Dad, I need a money clip and a hundred dollar bill. Yes. <laughs> that's all I can think about. I oh god, I love John Mulaney. Anyway, yeah, if you're if is... you're not sure what the hell I'm talking about, that's a John Mulaney <laughs> bit. <laughs> this is the Feeny Call. We are here. Uh, talking about Boy Meets World, you are on the recap, but before we do that, I'll do my fun fact, which is kind of fun today, because the actor who plays Mr. Fontaine, his name is Buddy Hackett, he's Scuttle. Yeah. He plays Scuttle. And I thought that was so sweet. I read that, and I was like, oh, Scuttle, I recognized his voice. Actually, my second note is Mr. Fontaine, I love his voice. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize, but it's Scuttle. So mm-hmm. there you go. That's your fun. These, fact I mean, the these two guys—they're—they're they're like they're like old. They're supposed to be like they're fun for your for your parents to watch. You know, there there's people yes. they would theoretically recognize from like old variety show comedy stuff, similar to like putting the monkeys on this, where the kids are gonna be like, who the fuck are these guys? Yes. <laughs> um, I don't. I feel like that doesn't happen so much anymore. Now it did happen so early strange. on a lot, but yeah. yeah, now it's. Buddy Hackett and Soupy Sales. <laughs> yes. Anyway. <laughs> you are on the recap. I'm on the recap. Here we go. Ready, folks? Start your engines. Timer set. And away we 
go. So it's Christmas break and they're studying or they're studying poems and there's the two roads of Robert Frost poem and then Corey and Sean get jobs for winter break. Corey gets a cushy job slinging cappuccinos for the mob and Sean's working on the docks and then Corey finds eyes working for the mob and quits and Sean takes over and Corey's like, what are you doing here? Don't take this job. It's the mob. And Sean's like, it's just so I can buy nice things and he buys Corey a nice watch and then he's standing on a corner holding a box full of drugs and Corey's like, come home, Sean. And Sean's like, oh, I really fucked this one up. And they go home and they take a picture. That's the time. I think think my favorite part of that was that you went into like the Italian accent just a little bit (laughs) when you were talking as Corey and Sean. That was my favorite part. Thank you. Brilliant. It just kind of slipped out. This episode aired in December of 1996. So it is, it was very timely, I suppose. Yes. It's a very special episode, as we like to call them. Which is interesting to me, because it doesn't feel like it is, but I guess, because it it deals with touchy subject matter, but like not so, uh, not as taboo, Uh, I guess. I don't know. That last scene feels like a very special episode. Where like where they're sitting on the dock or on the outside the warehouse and Sean's yeah. like yeah I thought and Corey's like well he says I thought the devil was supposed to have like mm-hmm. pointy horns and a red pitchfork or whatever like that that all feels very special episode-y. Should we dive in? I don't yeah. know where you'd like to be. Oh, what did you learn? I was like that's where, where we usually start. Is what did you learn? I went yeah. last time. You tell me what you learned. Let's all right, see. all right. Um, well it's kind of tricky to me. I wrote down the meaning. All right, I'll start here. This is what I learned. You get to choose your own path in life. You are you are the captain of your own ship. And in doing in captaining your own ship, a large majority of that also comes from the support of your crew. And so surround yourself with supportive friends and your path will get a lot easier and clearer, I suppose. That feels a little muddy, everything that I just said. But <laughs> I think the the thing about this episode is what they get from Robert Frost's The Road Not Taken is not, I think, what it was intended. And so it's tricky because it's trying to tell you, like, oh, yes, you need to make the right decision. You choose the road that you're taking and it's not so much about taking the right road as it is missing out on the other road, on the road not taken. So it's kind of a tricky situation for me because I'm like, I don't think that's... Like, they were they were reading, I think, what a stereotypical answer is, what you learn in your English classes. But if you actually read and analyze the poem a little bit closer, he talks about... Like, it's, it's the road not taken. He's not focusing on the road that he did take. He's focusing on what he missed out on what the possibilities of what he missed out on Mm. so it kind of takes on another meaning to me i feel with that in mind but the tv shows that recite this poem never get past the first line so correct (laughs) so who could even know who could even know know? (laughs) yeah um but yeah so i i guess pretty much in summary you are the captain of your own ship you decide your own fate and uh, just make sure you have a supportive crew behind you. Yeah, a supportive crew and a decent teacher who doesn't yes. tell you that you're going to grow up waiting outside a gas station yep. for the next batch of lottery tickets. Listen, we already <laughs> knew. A fucking dare, Turner. 
he already knew he was on the out, so this is not What good. an atrocious thing to say to a student. <laughs> yeah. It's just so interesting to me that Turner is, like, making some of these appearances. Like, he's in the, the he's in the picture at the end of the episode, too, and I'm like, Why so the fuck is he Turner at the house? In the- <laughs> it's yeah, a fucking weird. Friends are where, like, his own, he and Eli spend uh, New Year's together every year, so why aren't they spending Christmas together? I don't, why is he there? I just It's fucking understand. weird that he's there at the end of this. I can, I can swallow why Feeney's there, that's fine, but it's Feeney, weird. Yes. That Turner's there. And the only thing I can think of is that they have people over for, like, Christmas Eve, and then everyone spends Christmas Day with their family, because otherwise, why is Topanga there? Why isn't she with her family? And why is Lonnie there? It's weird that, to me, that Lonnie is there. It might not be weird for everyone, but for some reason, that just uh, hits me weird, because I'm like, that's your boss. Well, yeah, but I can... Lonnie's there in, like, as a direct result of their plot line. Yeah. You know, like, she, she doesn't have anywhere else to be... Mm-hmm. And like they failed to get her where she could have been. Yeah. Um, and like, yes, I can, I can understand. Like, Topanga's there. It's Christmas Eve. You have people over. Like, that makes sense to me too. It just, it's just Turner for me that that shouldn't be there. Yeah, it's so. it's weird. It's definitely weird. Um. Okay. So what did I learn? I learned. Hmm. I mean, it's a big choice episode. You know, there's all these yeah. choices, right? <sighs> Part of me rejects the premise that, like, every choice you make, and especially at that stage of your life, is going to have such a uh, irreparable trajectory. I don't know. I think, like, because uh, I do and I don't think that. I think, you know, your choices do have Im- impact on your future and, and those that surround you. Um, you know, that, that that's obvious. <sighs> I don't know. Mr. Font, they're not the devil. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Let me, here we go. now we're going to do it. We're going to do it for real. Take Great. two. Okay. You are going to be faced with choices as the show often does face our characters with choices because that's a story. Um, but in your life, you will be faced with choices to, to towards, um, Towards your future, towards but specifically towards like a career, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it is easy to. It's important that you don't lose yourself in that. You know, Sean, I think is completely losing sight of 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 the good sense surrounding him. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say Sean's losing sight of himself, but I don't think that's true because I no. think his choice in this episode is very much so a result of his life sure. in that, you know, he comes from a low income family and, and the, the advantages of a criminal lifestyle that are offered to him because if he's never had this or that make it that much more appealing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this episode has a lot to say about income inequality and, and how, those who grow up in a in a household of poverty or otherwise lower income um, and face any number of adverse childhood experiences or aces are are likely to end up in this situation or that situation. You know, it's very easy for Corey to be like, as soon as he learns, oh, it's the mob, I'm out. You know, 
Yeah. Uh, because Corey probably has like one adverse childhood experience in his life. Uh, sure. Yeah. No, that's whereas Sean has a healthy list of probably 10 plus adverse childhood experiences in his life and is, and is wildly more susceptible to the allure of this. Really rambled on this now. That's okay. <laughs> like, what did I learn? You know what I'm going to choose to take away the most here is that like it's really important to just be looking out for your friends. Yeah. You know, I think back to when I was in high school and friends making certain choices and having and you know trying to like do some interve- intervening and things like this, or myself and them intervening. And it's important to just have that good support system that is looking out for you know gives a shit what you choose. Yeah. Because as Corey kind of puts it out there, these guys don't give a shit if Sean lives or oh, dies. Yeah. No, they don't. And what care. choices he makes. Um, so it's important to have people around you that that care about yeah. what choice you make yeah great i remember listening to the bra meets world episode of this one uh where they talked a lot about yes. the the like the lifestyle how how like a criminal organization can more easily lure in a, a lower income person or, or somebody who comes from a lower income background or um or poverty or has any number of uh difficulties in their lives and and how they can make that so appealing you know when mr fonte throws two hundred dollars on the table like yeah grand scheme of things two hundred dollars is really not a lot of money like no i understand you know as a high schooler two hundred dollars to me was also a lot of money and especially and obviously it's a lot of money to sean more so even than it would be to Corey. and in 96 right but Again, in the, like the grand picture here, two hundred dollars is not even a lot of money, which is why no. like, these guys have no problem throwing it around on the table because sure. it's very small potatoes to them. And Corey kind of says, it, you know, and they find some guy with who thinks that his who thinks he doesn't know what to do with his life, and they make him think that he's supposed to be right here, which does speak, a li- I think, a little bit of truth to power, mm-hmm. in that that is true of organized crime, but that's also true of many institutions. You know, we're gonna we're gonna experience that again with cult fiction. I was just about uh, to say, that's my biggest gripe about this episode is it happens so closely to another episode where Sean goes through the same thing. I think the difference, though, is like this one is very clearly about organized crime, whereas that one is, you know, it's about a, a cult that is not really like a, I mean, it is a criminal enterprise, probably. He's stealing yeah. money from these people. Yeah. But uh-huh. But it's not like drug running and racketeering and and assassinations and whatever else this mafia family gets up to. <laughs> it's uh, it is it is white collar, <laughs> um, crime, I guess. But he but that's true to character. You know, mm-hmm. he again, he's got all these adverse childhood experiences mm-hmm. and is going to consistently face manipulative powerful adults who are there to take advantage of his broken sense of self Mm. and and use that for their own manipulation so like it's not hard to believe it just sucks well and hillary left us a message i'll go ahead and play it but you know the whole thing with the job is sean's proud he can buy a christmas present for his friends and his family and He's never done that with his own money. And that's like a sense of pride for him. And I think at some point, a sense of pride for all of us to do something um, with our own money. But then, you know, it goes downhill from there. There's a good, obviously a good point there. There's such a pride. There's such a sense of pride when you can first start affording things for Mm -hmm. yourself, especially 
Sean coming from such a low income household. It's mm-hmm. it's it's not even playing on his vulnerability as much as it is playing on his pride because mm-hmm. he's just so relieved that he can afford things for his friends and family for Christmas. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. I think this is I mean, this plays into the other Christmas episode from season one, I guess it is, where Sean's dad like lost his got laid off and uh, Sean lies to Corey about all the presents he's getting. And it's, again, this pride thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting, I guess. I don't think the remaining Christmas episodes do this. They they venture into different territory. But this one and the one from season one are both kind of largely about the class differences between the Matthews and the Hunters, which is interesting. Yeah. I think yeah. it's so easy. <laughs> it is an easy... Well, it is an interesting thing from a writing perspective thinking of an easy segue into these class differences and it makes sense that it's holiday themed both mm-hmm. of these things are because how do you represent that in such a way other than like janitor dad you can so easily represent someone who has an abundance during christmas versus someone who maybe can't afford presents it's mm-hmm. because we've turned christmas into such a materialistic thing it's so easy to physically look and see oh this person has a lot of gifts under their tree as opposed to this person who doesn't so I think it's it's clever because there are other episodes that deal with this I will say that this is clever it feels like a cop-out if this were the only episode that ever dealt with class uh, issues or like if the two Christmas episodes that we've seen so far only dealt with these but it's an interesting choice made uh, by the writers. I think that it's a clever way of bringing this up. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of sitcom holiday episodes go, you know, make an effort to represent and show how Christmas and other holiday seasons, like, or, you know, the idea of this holiday season can be like really hard mm-hmm. for people that are not wealthy and, mm-hmm and face a lot of financial hardship. And I think a lot of sitcoms do a nice job of representing that and like make an effort to do that. But I think what's interesting about this one is that it's not like, here's a third character who's only here for the holiday episode to show how Christmas is hard when you're poor. Whereas in this one, it's like, Oh, here's one of our main characters to show Mm -hmm. how Christmas can be tough when you're poor. Um, uh, Which I think is, yeah, I think maybe that's like a big difference in that a lot of other sitcoms are not that, that like do this kind of story. It's usually like, Oh, our main wealthy character stumbles on a, a, a poor homeless person and, and wants mm-hmm. to help them or, or like whatever it may be. It's yeah. like, we're inserting this third character for the holiday episode because we don't normally have a poor person on the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's uh, another thing, actually, now that you bring that up and thinking about it, that's kind of Tommy later right right. that is kind of tommy they later do he both. Gets to stick around yeah. yeah yeah but they get to do both and and mm-hmm. i guess when you go on for a certain amount of seasons you run out of ideas for christmas episodes. <laughs> there's the it's a wonderful life trope there's the christmas carol trope or there's uh-huh. the helping people who are less fortunate trope and they choose to do at least they do two. all of them <laughs> yeah they get them all because i think when they do like it's a wonderful life and christmas carol kind of like at the same time yeah right like when feeny's the ghosts showing what topanga's future is going to be like without Corey, though right like is that a christmas episode i'm uh, my brain is like 
Oh yeah, that's the Christmas. That's that's like the very Topanga Christmas where she's staying with them, and they make up all these Christmas traditions that have not been important the last two times we've done Christmas episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corey gets grumpy and falls asleep watching a Christmas Carol at the boy's apartment, and the ghost shows up as Feeny and takes and like Topanga's married to Jack and has two kids or whatever. That's right. That's right. I like it's kind of a wonderful life and also kind of a Christmas Carol. Yeah, you are, you're doing a way better job of remembering than I am because that is so back in the like archives of my brain that if you had not brought it up, I'd be like, nope, there's no episode like that. Oh no, no, that episode sticks out for me because it's, it's one of the most inconsistent episodes with the rest of the, because it just, it hits, it makes such a big deal about traditions and and they're all made up for that one episode that were not true the last couple times we've done christmas um (laughs) that's you know like they are and so like it's one of the first episodes you know in season one we have a ton of inconsistencies and and, and incongruous information um and then it like backs away for a while while they get really consistent with their families and their tradition and things like that and then that episode just pops up and it's just like rife with, yeah. with bullshit, basically. Pretty much. Pretty so much. it stands out in my mind for that reason. We don't really, I mean, we don't spend a lot of time in the Matthews home on like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. This is the first time I think that, that we've seen them throw any sort of celebration. It usually just is like taking place around Christmas. So I could definitely see, because in my brain, I was using that as kind of, hindsight to say okay maybe Feeney is about to read a Christmas Carol after they take a picture together maybe he no, just finished reading nonsense. it he doesn't read a Christmas Carol in this episode they have a normal ass green tree <laughs> they... they do have a normal ass green tree that's <laughs> that's the biggest one for me because I'm like honestly Feeney could have he could have read a Christmas Carol I don't know what happened before or after the picture but the well, Christmas also, tree is completely inconsistent yeah. I, it's I hate an when outrage. you read a Christmas Carol too because that's a long it's not short no it's like it's 120 pages <laughs> something like that like, that's I mean, it's not that long but like that's a you're sitting down for two or three hours to listen to this man read like yeah, unless he reads quickly <laughs> even so i would fall asleep for sure for sure I oh yeah fall asleep. absolutely so yes that one just sticks false out in my false. mind of full of false information we do have one more christmas episode that we've had that we haven't talked about because it's kind of barely a christmas episode but it's the one where they um the there's the dance the turnaround dance i think that's right that's right is it turnaround dance whatever it's one of the it's the dance it's the ingrid episode right yep it is because she asks him they turn her cool and then she ditches him and that's technically a christmas episode yeah that's right barely i had a feeling we were missing one in there but i didn't remember what it was so again you are you with the memories today i guess i I am i'm very very on top of my holiday specials (laughs) They were very important to me as a child, and I do make a point to seek out holiday special episodes every year. Speaking um, of, like, holidays, I found it so funny. You go into Turner's classroom, and there's a menorah in there, and it's crooked as fuck. And I don't know if he was supposed <laughs> to do that, but I was just like, it's one thing, because I, I don't know, I didn't see any other, like... I mean, I saw other decorations, but that was the only Hanukkah decoration that I saw or non-Christmas decoration that I saw. And it was like crooked as fuck. So I was like, did you mean to, is it supposed to be like the Christmas tree and the menorah and they're dancing along the wall and that's why they're kind of like jagged or did it fall? And the props department was like, eh, just leave it. 
just leave it. It's fine. Uh-huh. Like what As happens? A, I think it's really funny how the so the like okay how to say this throw out some disclaimers i was raised catholic i celebrate christmas i am not religious in any respect anymore uh i try to verse myself decently in popular world religions such that i can like have some empathy for other humans that being said the like elevation of hanukkah by what I consider probably to be largely white, liberal, non-Hanukkah celebrating individuals is very funny to me in that Hanukkah is a fairly minor holiday as far as Jewish holidays go. Mm -hmm. It just happens to fall around the same time of year as Christmas. You know, there are tremendously more important holidays in the Jewish faith around, around the rest of the year. But because... There's, you know, this big push of Christmas and it's the Christmas season. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, then fuck you. And then I think a bunch of like white liberal people who I am one of, like I am a white liberal person. So let's throw that out there. Uh, But I think like a bunch of like aggressive white liberal individuals who don't celebrate Hanukkah were like, we need to be more considerate. And other people have other holidays and... I, like, I just don't know that a bunch of Jewish folks got together and were like, Hanukkah is just as important as Christmas. And because, like, again, in the Jewish faith, it is a minor, more yeah. minor holiday than so many others. And it feels like just the promotion and elevation of it is so that, like, people like me can feel better about <laughs> so like making a big deal out of Christmas if I, like, choose to acknowledge, like, oh, and they have holidays, too. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I think that that's like that shows up all the time with like the inclusion of background, you know, Hanukkah imagery or like when you go to Target and now there's a bunch of blue and white stuff mm-hmm. like thrown in the dollar section mixed in. I just it, it, it feels very, very interesting to me. And even like the Hanukkah merchandise that you can now buy at like major retailers is effectively Christmas merchandise. Hanukkah Correct. not. <laughs> like, you that's- know, it's like a tacky Hanukkah sweater. And it's like, no, that's a Christmas thing, guys. You just yeah. made it blue and white and put a dreidel on it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Like, it's, it's for those poor... <laughs> those poor Jewish people who get dragged to Gentile ugly sweater parties and they're like, well, <laughs> it's, it's just, it always strikes me as interesting. And I am, I had a friend, I have a friend that is Jewish and I remember wishing them like a, a happy Rosh Hashanah mm-hmm. and they were like taken aback. They were like, Oh my God, thank you. And like, <laughs> what? And, I was, and they're like, what? I just, just going, it's, that's what it is. Right. And they're like, yeah, just like, the only holiday a non-Jewish person has ever wished me is happy Hanukkah. So just like, thanks. Cool. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I mean, it's not that hard one to like give a shit about other people's holidays. Um, and, and to then like take the step further and find out which ones are actually (laughs) more important than others. Anyway, it just always strikes me. I feel like, you know, the inclusion of this menorah in the back is, is another one of those things. And, uh, and it's just funny. It always strikes me. I do want to touch on that B plot just yes. a little bit because I still love Lonnie, but I don't understand why if there's a blizzard happening, why she had him just pull over. And I feel like I need someone who lives in like North Dakota to explain this to me. <laughs> well, because I mean, if it really is 
as horrendous of a blizzard as they're painting it to be, it would be safer for you to stop the car on the side of the road than to continue driving. I mean, yes, but I'm picturing like if they're on the high, I guess it depends on how far they are, because if they just left the city and there's like a rest stop or something, I'd be like, okay, get off at the next exit and we'll find a gas station or we'll find a rest stop. But she's like, no, no, it does sound. Yeah. It does sound like they probably should have like, I don't know. They they make it sound like they're already somewhere in the middle of rural Pennsylvania. Yeah, I was going to say, if they're like halfway there, they're like somewhere in Amish country. I get it. Then just, you got to pull over because there are no other Uh options, but because I mean, her family's in the mountains, so I can only imagine it gets worse as they continue going north. (laughs) Which like, I want to talk about it. I take issue (laughs) with Lonnie and her presentation of where her family lives. Okay. Really? Well, you're, uh, you, you tell us all cause you're, you know, you're closer to the mountains than I have ever been. No, no, no. Just like, here's the thing. She says, Eric, it's 500 miles. Okay. Pennsylvania is. Are you looking it up? Pennsylvania (laughs) is approximately 300 miles wide east to west. Sure. Sure. And 150 miles north to south. Okay. So, like, where the fuck does she, does her family live that it's a 500-mile drive? Not in Pennsylvania. That's Clearly not in the state of Pennsylvania. I suppose, like, which which we've been led to believe that she's from, like, the the Appalachian Mountains in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. Is that not the information as it was kind of presented? Here's Um, the thing. I can, I will agree with you that somewhere, her family's probably somewhere on the Appalachian Mountains. However, I mean, they span all the way through the South or well, at least the trail does. And yeah, they span all the way. So like, it's, it's still possible. Maybe like, I don't know. Oh, it's possible that her family lives in the Appalachian Mountains. Yes. It runs from like Maine to, to Georgia. Yeah. It is a very long range. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess most possible is that she's from like southern West Virginia. I'm just like 500 miles from Philadelphia is a long way. She also has a southern (laughs) accent. So I'm thinking it's got to be somewhere from the south. I don't know. From maybe from Georgia or like South Carolina or something like that. Like I'm picturing that. That's kind of what I was picturing. If they're in Philadelphia, which is relatively close to state lines, they could get out of the state incredibly easily. So as long as it's yeah. not specifically said that she's from Pennsylvania, like I buy that her family is from South in like the yeah, mountains. It doesn't, and, like, doesn't make sense South. to me why she's in Philadelphia now. Like they make such a big deal when they introduce her that like her and her family are coming. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. make sense. 500 miles is a long way. That's like a 10 hour drive, you know, or like, an, I don't know, nine hour drive. I was going to say maybe less. Chicago and, uh, to Knoxville. Knoxville, Tennessee is 542 miles away from Chicago. Was that nine hours? Eight hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. So like eight hours. That is a long ass drive. Is Eric planning on spending Christmas then with Lonnie's family? Because he's not driving back. <laughs> eight to nine hours of driving with crappy weather. Now you're looking at maybe 10 or more. Like <laughs> Now I'm very interested to see how far they got. Because again, That's it just what... doesn't make sense to me that this she's just like pull over. Because if unless they were up in the mountains, I feel like there would be a rest stop or a gas station. Just doesn't sit right with me. I mean, like now I'm trying to see. Maybe she is. She could be from. I don't know. Maybe she's from North Carolina or something. Like mm-hmm. she's got to be further south than West Virginia. I just love that she just messes with Eric so much in this. Okay, so episode. yeah, I want to ask about that. Do you think she's lying? Or do you think she's telling the truth? What do you think is the truth? 
I think there's a version of what she's saying. I feel like maybe that she did like hug him close or maybe even like open her jacket and do like a wrap in her coat, sharing body heat. I don't think she stripped him down because there's, it's, it's impossible to do that to a person who's passed out anyway. I mean, not impossible. It's difficult, but then add the element of they're sitting in a car makes it even more difficult because changing in a car is just difficult when you're awake. So I feel like it's very, it, it's it's too much for, for me to believe that it happened and that he didn't wake up or regain consciousness in some regard. But I feel like her leaning over to him and like hugging him into her coat is believable to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah, like, maybe I don't... some version of this happened, but not as much as she is saying. She's she's yeah, messing yeah. with them. And she yeah, can I, tell that I he's agree. like getting excited. Yeah, I don't think they got naked in the sleeping bag. No. Um, <laughs> no. I will say the, and, and I think her cute butt though joke at the end is just That's a funny. joke. I don't think it's, I don't think that's yes. an indication of it. Oh, yeah, I will sure. say if in, if it were in fact true mm-hmm. and if everything she said was true, yeah. I can't help but sit here and be like, well, that's not okay. <laughs> that's, such um, a, that's the trickiest part for me because I'm like, if it was really like, my life depended on it. I was going to get frostbite and potentially die. Yeah, it's 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 not okay. But if she's really saving his life, then she's saving his life. Like where where is the oh, line? Okay, where's hang on. It doesn't make sense. Her her that that logic is flawed. Getting that naked I'd rather have my and life? sharing. No 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 no. Sorry. The, her her story like that does that's not true. Why would their the body, body heat, the body heat exchange is not going to be more effective naked? Mm. Like I don't if, know. If, if like bundle wear all the layers and shove your bodies together into the sleeping bag, like you're still going to be radiating body heat, but now sure. you'll be. I mean, I guess now you're insulated, maybe, so you won't take on as much. But like, I refuse to believe that their winter clothing is going to be less effective right yeah like that's just not going to be the case that they would in any way be safer by taking clothes off to exchange their body heat than they would be just wearing their winter clothing i feel like i've heard that somewhere that you are better off going all the way down to your skin and connecting skin to skin i feel like i've heard that somewhere but it could just have been something that i've heard well, you know? it, I think that depends a great deal on what the clothing you have available to you. Yeah, and that's true. Given that they are, you know, from the Northeast and should not be strangers to winter weather and should have some decent winter clothing, you would definitely stay warmer in a down coat than you would exchanging body heat. Interesting. Okay. So looking online, so someone actually looked at this in 2012 there's a there's a uh, quora conversation mm-hmm. happening and someone says looking online for backup evidence i discovered a pamphlet on hypothermia published by the state of minnesota which recommended a similar naked rewarming method body to body contact the victim and one or two warmers should be nude or wearing only undergarments rather than fully clothed Two or more sleeping bags may be used to conserve as much heat as possible with the two warmers lying on either side, creating a heat sandwich. Interesting. Before the warmers get into the bag with the victim, they should exercise. I hate that word that they say that, but it means hypothermia victim. 
Mm-hmm. They should exercise vigorously both before attempting rewarming and afterwards to maintain their own temperatures. Wild. And, and apparently I mean, you can revive someone who's uh, dying of hypothermia in 30 minutes. Okay. I mean, again, I'm not going to pretend that I've done all the research on it, but I pretty much refuse to believe that <sighs> my change of body heat with another human could keep me warmer than a feathered wow. down puffer coat. I will accept that it would keep me warmer than yeah. a, an average jacket, maybe. Uh, yeah. But not not warmer than, like, fleece-lined pants and a feather-down coat. <laughs> well, and I'm trying to think of, like, if you got into a sleeping bag with all of the clothes on, still right. with like, another you would person. Also, right. Wouldn't you then still be? I Where's the science side of Tumblr? Science side of Tumblr. Help I us mean, out. His, yes. Like, I, I recognize that if you're wearing all those clothes then they are designed to insulate your heat, which would lessen your like irradiating of heat, yeah. but they're designed to maintain your own heat and temperature. So I well, guess if, if you, you are, are already, if you're already hypothermic, then you need someone else's heat to restore your body temperature before the clothes can insulate you. Yeah. But, yeah. but like, there's, but he's not already hypothermic. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, she's definitely so, fucking with him. Like, yeah, I don't think it actually happened, but like, she, she is describing in, an instance upon which she's found a frozen body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. She's describing like he's already getting, which I mean, he's been passed for depending on how long he was passed out, he could start be to be going cold, but like, I not for no. <laughs> yeah. All right. Not so, so what we are what we're arriving at is that her story makes sense for yes. like fucking with him, and it is obviously not plausible for the circumstances they were in. And should you ever come across a frozen hypothermic hiker, you should probably get naked and shove yourself into a sleeping bag with them so that you can try to restore their body heat. Yes, but don't forget to exercise first. And it said you can leave your undergarments on, so if you're more comfortable doing that, I would suggest doing that. Yeah. Yep. I There's no need. More. No need for uh, your undergarments to come off. Unless you're auditioning for, unless this other person like said that they would go out and get hypothermia for you and you're auditioning for Naked and Afraid, in which case I would encourage getting naked because that's what (laughs) the show is about. Consent is important when reviving a hypothermic. Important. (laughs) Don't get weird about it, okay? Their body temperature is way too low. Don't want that. Don't get weird about it. It's just about bringing them back to life and then put your clothes on. Uh, but right. yeah, I'm saying if I were hypothermic out in the woods somewhere and someone needed to strip me naked to get me alive again, I'd be like, you know what? Thanks for saving yes, my life. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> if a park ranger found me and that was the best way to save my life, then fine. But they're in a car. They don't even yeah, need to keep no. the car is not running anymore. Just turn on the fucking heat. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> even for like 10 minutes. 10 minutes will warm up. It's a tiny car. It, the 10 minutes will warm up that car, I promise, and then you'll be okay. Yes, She's but we're making fun. a big, I'm making a huge, I, we're, I'm making a huge deal out of this when we've already determined that Lonnie's fucking with him, so. Yeah. Still, we, the hypotheticals are what, you know, what makes it interesting, keeps it, keeps it spicy. All right, we should wrap <laughs> it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's your MVP? Mm, the MVP. The MVP is Corey. It is. You're right. He, 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 he comes, he solves the problem on his own. I think he's pretty measured in his steps with Sean, actually. I think that he, you know, after Sean gives him the watch and Corey tries to, like, have that conversation, 
but then like realizes that he may not be getting there. He's like, okay, well then I'm going to like, he trusts Sean to do the right thing. Like he gives him the leeway to be like, okay, get through Christmas and then you're done. Basically. Like he doesn't say that, but that's what's implied. But then Sean not showing up for Christmas Eve, Corey then has to like escalate his approach. Yeah. He just does a great job all around in this episode. He's supportive, but of Sean's best interests. He, yeah, you're very right. When he, takes those steps. They're very thought out. He doesn't need adult supervision. He trusts Sean. He's supportive of Sean to do the right thing. I think that he just kind of knocks it out of the park on this one. I completely agree. Great. All right. Well, that's our show for today. (laughs) Thank you for coming. Thanks for listening. We are on all the things. We're on Instagram at the Feeny Call podcast. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Feeny Call. And, uh, Send us an email, feedingcallpodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you, hear your thoughts and opinions. You know, Absolutely. Thanks for listening, y'all. Happy holidays, whatever you celebrate, or if you don't celebrate, that's fine, too. Just so you know, go ahead and don't hold drugs for mob bosses, Mm-mm. I guess. That's the holiday lesson this year. <laughs> Great. <laughs> What do you think's in the box? What do you, what do you, I, want to, I wanted to ask that. What do you think is in the box? Probably Brad Pitt's wife's head. I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. That was good. That was good. What's in the box? <laughs> uh, I, I, it's, and this could be just a technical thing, but the, the way that he's holding it, it makes it feel like it's light. So I'm figuring probably, like, drugs. Probably either drugs or money like a lot of money but that might be in a briefcase so I don't, it's I, it's probably coke that's my guess yeah i don't i don't know how much coke weighs sounds like a weird thing to say but it, well it depends on the amount it is just powder that's so. true that is true <laughs> yeah his prop handling indicates that it's light but it's probably a, i don't know a, a brick or two of coke in my opinion yeah that's pretty light i would imagine I, you know, having never handled. A I was gonna say, I honestly life, have not. <laughs> I have no uh, experience with this, but Coke users, if you're out there and you're listening, I don't, I don't even know. I don't, I don't, I don't need someone to write in to tell me how like heavy a brick of cocaine is. If I want that information, I have the internet, and I'm not gonna Google that because then I'll, I don't, I don't know. Like, then what happens to my targeted ads? <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap this like a present. Am I right? Holiday fans. All right. You say the thing. Do the thing. Okay. I'll say the thing. Class dismissed.